0: Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church.
1: soldier in a shameful gambling game won the bloodstained garment that once had clothed my king a cheap robe of linen no great value did it hold but when worn By the Master It was worth More than gold The same A few days Before Why this old robe Had changed the life Of a tired And helpless Woman Who believed With all her might she reached out and touched it with hope to be restored. She knew this plain old garment was the vesture of the Lord. And God is His coming. To do uncommon things, and God is his common people to live out his. see it's what he can make you to be for if God came to die. And we have been chosen to send forth His light. So it doesn't matter if your worth is great or small. God needs some willing vessels just Common garments. That's all. And God uses common garments to do uncommon things. And God is uses. You see, it's what he can make. A fearful time had come For one little Hebrew boy who was His father's firstborn son With the angel of death passing low It was hard to fall asleep But one little lamb stood in his mind AS HE LAY THERE COUNTING SHEEP HE WONDERED WHY THE YOUNG LAMB HAD TO DIE AND WHY HIS BLOOD WAS ON THE DOOR THE WIND AND THE RAIN IT had STILL REMAINED BUT HE WANTED TO BE SURE SO HE CALLED OUT TO HIS EARTHLY FATHER in a trembling voice so scared crying father will you please look and see if the blood is still there and he says son now don't you worry for the blood is there to stay though the winds may blow and the rain may fall, it won't just wash away. The blood will stand the raging storm. It's been applied with loving care. So safe, secured, you can rest assured that the blood. Looking over the damage that Satan's storm had left behind. The flood of endless questions and doubt had filled my mind. The fear that gripped my troubled soul brought me back to my knees in prayer crying, Father, will you please look and see if the blood is still there? And he says, Son, now don't you worry, for the blood is there to stay. And though the winds may blow, the rain may fall, it won't. Just wash away The blood will stand the raging storm It's been applied with loving care Safe, secured, you can rest assured That the blood is still there Safe, secured, you can rest assured That the blood is
0: today you'll be listening to the message preached by our pastor, Brother Brad Walker, during our Sunday morning worship service. May God bless you as you listen to his message.
2: Thank you, Brother Tim. And aren't you glad that no matter what happens in this life, that we can rest safe and secure because the blood of Jesus Christ and its power will never change. It is still there and still available for all of those who will cry out to Him for salvation. This morning, we're going to be focusing on sanctity of Human Life Sunday, and uh, so we're going to be in quite a few places, but the main passage of Scripture that we're going to be in will be in Mark chapter 10, and so if you want to turn there as we go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord Heavenly Father, thank you. Lord, it has been just a wonderful time for us to lift up our hearts and voices to you this morning. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that that you give us to worship you. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to just spend this time in communion with you. Lord, you're speaking to us. And Lord, we we know that your Holy Spirit himself is moving in this place and, and touching hearts. And Lord, I know that there's decisions that need to be made this morning. And I believe that you're going to touch hearts today. I believe today will be a day of salvation. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, now, as we focus on life and how you view it, Lord, help us to have that same passion. Lord, to protect life in In all of its forms, Lord, from conception to natural death, Lord, help us to be a people who see the sanctity in human life, and Lord, those who will give a voice to those without one. Lord, I know that I'm a very weak vessel, so Lord, I pray this morning that you might hide me behind the cross, that only you'd be seen, and only you'd be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is a very special Sunday for us in the Southern Baptist Convention, because we, along with our sister churches our Remembering Sanctity of Human Life Sunday uh, today. This is the day where we make that focus, uh, that we believe that all human life is precious. And yet, it's a sad day to say that we have to have a day to mark such a thing, that not all people would view human life as precious, that not all people would value each life. It's sad that not all, all people believe that. Um, but we recognize in the world that we live in, all you have to do is turn on the news and you see um, the news of, of a suicide bomber or you see uh, the acts of terrorists or murderers who have no regard for human life. We see um, doctors and nurses in these abortion clinics uh, who clearly don't value um, unborn life. We see men who are dictators in many of these uh, places around the world. Uh, right now it's uh, Bashar al assad in Syria and it used to be Saddam Hussein in Iraq. And there's many other places around, around the world where dictators will use poisonous gas on their own people because uh, they don't value human life. We know Hitler was that way. Um, the Nazis killed millions of Jews and others who they said were not human And didn't see anything wrong with that. And we could go on recounting example after example of people and regimes throughout human history. Who have had such a low opinion of human life that they would snuff it out without even a thought. But let me give you some statistics about what we're really going to be focused on this morning. And that is the life of the unborn. And the issues of abortion. We know that since 1973, 18% of pregnancies have ended in abortion. 50% of American pregnancies are unintended pregnancies. And out of that 50%, 49% of those end in an abortion. 52% of all abortions performed in America are on women the age of 24 years and under. And 66% of women who obtain abortions have never been married. People give all kinds of reasons for why they would end the life of their unborn child some say well children would be inconvenient for me it would interfere with my lifestyle and and cause a financial hardship on me some say well I I just I don't want to be a single parent or or I'm having problems with my husband or my partner and and I don't want to have a baby right now there's all kinds of reasons that we give for not valuing the life of the unborn but what does God say how does God view the life of the unborn that's what we all want us to focus on this morning the first thing that as we look through scripture that I see is that clearly we are told that we are created in his image. Amen. We are told that we are created in his image and in his likeness. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. He says, So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. People have various reasons for respecting and for protecting life. They respect and protect their families. They want to see their family safe. Some may may feel the same way about their neighbors and they support actions that protect their neighborhood at large. Human compassion makes all of us sad when, when anyone loses their life because of illness or because of some tragedy. We see those things in it and it breaks our hearts. It touches us to see that, that going on. However, believers have an important additional reason for respecting and protecting human life. We're told that human life is sacred because God created man and woman in his own image and gave them life. Therefore, Christians should value and protect human life for the Lord's sake. Not just because we have a tugging at our hearts when we see somebody in a tragic situation, but because God has called us to value life for the Lord's sake. Every human being is special. Everyone, regardless of what the need may be in their life, regardless of of how they're born. Every human being is special because each person is the specific and purposeful creation of God. And God doesn't make trash. Everyone that God makes, regardless of what they look like to us, or regardless of how we view their body and the the, the issues they may have that that cause them them to have, have some disabilities, God has a purpose for them. The rest of creation, we know, was created by his word. He spoke everything else into existence. But we, we were created by the very hand of God. When it came to us, God got down and got his hands dirty in the process of making us. God created people in his image. Chapters 1 and 2 of Genesis records nothing else that was created in God's image and in this way. Only human beings. Only us. Nothing else. So what then does it mean to say that people are created in the image of God we know that God is spirit according to John chapter 4 verse 24 therefore he doesn't have a physical body so what does it mean to say we are created in his image and in his likeness what part of God's image have we then received from him well the moral the intellectual the 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 personality characteristics of God have been stamped onto us one aspect of God's image in us has been identified as dominion or or rulership. God created people to responsibly rule over the lower order of his creation. He has given us dominion over every other creature. Our ability to reason, our our ability to make moral choices, our ability to enjoy fellowship with God, it's unique to us. We are God's highest, we are God's most unique creation, and we are to be respected appropriately. Every human being's life matters. God created them both, male and female were told. Both came equally from the hand of God. Both man and woman were created by the hand of God. Each person, whether they are male or female, boy or girl, has equal worth in the eyes of God since all are created in his image. However, not everyone in this world views women as precious in the sight of God. One example that I saw was in India, in some villages in India, the little baby girls are simply set outside to die, never having a chance at life if, if the parents don't want them. And so they just set them outside because they're seen as a burden. But guess what? That's not too far from what we do, is it, when it comes to abortion? If they're inconvenient, they just set them outside. In some of those places, women, even as they grow older, even into adulthood, must live their whole lives with the possibility that they could be killed by their family if their family ever faced hardship that made them a burden. So just do away with them if they were too much of a burden to keep in the family. Can you imagine? There is a very low view in some places of women. But it shouldn't be because God clearly tells us, that they are precious in his sight, that all of his creation, man, woman, boy, girl, regardless of what country we're from or the color of our skin, that we are valuable in his sight. But secondly, we see that we are created by him sacredly. We are created by him sacredly. Because God created all people in his image, we should hold all human life as being sacred. Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 10, he says, there shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or daughter to pass through the fire. So what's Moses saying here? This verse is is Moses' farewell address to the people of Israel as they prepared to enter into the promised land. And remember, Moses wasn't allowed to enter into the land because of an act of disobedience. So in this speech, Moses gave God's requirements for entry, and they were 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 certain things that were to be done. They were to live in certain ways. But there were also some things that Moses is saying clearly, you're to refrain from as God's people. You're not to live like the people of that land. You're to be different. You're to be a set-apart people. You're you're to, to be a sanctified people. And so he's telling them some of these things. And one detestable forbidden practice was a pagan religious ritual in which the parents would sacrifice a son or a daughter in a fiery offering. Now that should make our skin crawl. And it is, is abhorrible in, in the eyes of God as well. This was the Canaanite practice for offering children as human sacrifices to Molech, an Ammonite God. And many societies in the ancient world, they did not value their children. that they, they saw nothing wrong with taking the lives of children. We see that with the Pharaoh. Remember, the Pharaoh of Egypt commanded the Hebrew midwives to kill all the newborn male babies and when the when the midwife said no we value life we will not do that what did he do then later we see we see that he ordered all the people to throw those babies into the Nile every male baby that was born was to be thrown into the Nile can you imagine can you imagine such but he didn't value life he had such a low view of human life that those little babies meant nothing to him some societies have abandoned female babies to die in exposure and neglect, as we saw there in India. But that's not the only place. It happens in other places like China, where there's a, a, a one-child policy. And to have a little girl is a burden, because then you don't have that son to, to take care of you in old age. And so they don't value those little girls. And so they just set outside like, like you set out your garbage on the side of the street. Such a low view of children. Such a low, low view of 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 girls and, and women and God says it should not be so and in Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 10 the Lord commanded the people of Israel not to kill children by using them as human sacrifices Moses whose own life had been spared as a child taught that human lives were sacred because God is the giver of all human life and each one of those children God has a grand purpose and plan for look at Moses's life God had a grand plan and a grand purpose. And praise the Lord, his mother saw that and and she said, I'm going to do everything I can to protect the life of my son. But God has a plan for each and every one of those little boys and girls, regardless of what the birth parents may think. God has a plan and we should protect and treat all human life as valuable because God created each of them in his image and for his purpose. But thirdly, he created by him intimately. Intimately. We're created by him intimately in Psalm 139. In Psalm 139, we we see this. It's a psalm that David wrote, and throughout that psalm, David focuses on God's presence with him. And David acknowledged that God had an intimate knowledge of him. The Lord knew all about him from the first moment that he was conceived in his mother's womb. God knew him intimately. These verses are expressly pointing us to the sanctity of human life because they teach us how God views human life, even in the mother's womb. The psalm reveals that God continues his creative work through human conception The psalmist indicated that he was already a unique person while he was yet in his mother's womb. God God already had plans and purposes for his life. In verse 13 there of Psalm 139, it says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. God is intimately involved in our lives well before we are delivered from our mother's womb. God has plans. He has his eye on us. And David knew that God's creative hand was at work in his life from the moment of his conception. David recognized that God knit him together in his mother's womb. The process of knitting or weaving, if any of you have ever done that, requires great skill and patience in order then to produce a, an article of of, of beautiful product, something that people would actually want to use. And that's that's how David is speaking here. The process took place in. In his mother's womb before his birth, of God knitting him together, doing a, a grand masterpiece of work in his life. What he's saying here is that God had put his parts together as one weaves cloth, as one makes a basket. There was care, there was intelligent design in all of it. The weaving of the bones and the tissue and the organs of the unborn child are under the control or they're under the guidance of God. He, his creative work is, is being done in each and every one of us. The psalmist recognized that he existed as a person from the time of his conception and that God had been with him even from his mother's womb. We are, in a very real sense, prescription babies in that God has customly designed each and every one of us. Like a snowflake, none of us are alike for every individual has a unique equipping a unique and specific purpose that God is going to allow us to achieve in life. There's a reason why God creates us exactly as He does, because He has a plan and He has a purpose for each of our lives. And none of those are exactly the same one to another. Verse 14 says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and thy soul knoweth right well. We see here that David praises God for the wonderful way in which he fashioned our our bodies and our minds and our spirits all the glory for creation is given here to God and entirely to him for it is he that has made us and not we ourselves in other words what what David is saying is I will praise thee for you are my creator my my parents were, were just the instrument that you used but you are 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 the The agent of my creation. You're the one who put me together. God's creative work in forming the human embryo was so awesome here that the psalmist is almost speechless. It's hard for David to put together the words for all that he is feeling about what God did and the wonder of creating him. His response of praise reveals his understanding and respect for a child as as God's unique and intimate creation. Then verse 15 says, My substance Was not hid from thee when I was made in the secret and curiously wrought in the lowest part of the earth. Though David knew that God formed him in the secret places, God's creative work was not hidden from him. The secret places refers to the womb. He says that even in the womb, God knew every bone in his body. God made him and knew him inside and out. Every, Every hair on that baby before he was even born was known by God intimately. Through the formation of a baby. Though it was, uh, the, the, those things of the formation of a, of a baby were, were, were not hidden from God. God. God knows every part. He knows every part that's that, uh, of that process. He sees and knows and cares and oversees the entire process. Our creation was a very personal, a very uh, firsthand action of God, not passive in any way. God is in control. And even with his limited understanding, The psalmist praised God for his creative work in forming him in his mother's womb. And so don't you think that we should praise God even more in light of the knowledge that we have been given through science of just how intricate the human body is and and just how amazing the job that God has done in making us is. Don't you think that we should praise him even more and view the human existence as something to be protected, something that is sacred before God? Verse 16 says, Thine eyes... Did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which as continuance, were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Here David believed that even before his body was formed, God had established a purpose for his life, a purpose. The word substance here refers to the growing child that began to to develop from the moment of conception and the psalmist here lacked knowledge of human conception and development that we have today. Nevertheless, we know that David knew God's creative hand had formed him from the very beginning. Human conception and development in the womb are part of God's continual creative work. He creatively makes each and every one of us for his purposes. So God's Knowledge of the psalmist included all of his days. God sovereignly ordained the psalmist's lifespan while he was still in his mother's womb. And when he speaks of the book, he is referring to the record of God's decisions and purposes that exist in the mind of God. God has a purpose for each and every person. He has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for me. None of us are a waste of his time. He has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And given that truth, it is Little wonder that those who have faithfully followed the Christian faith have understood life to begin at the moment of conception and not at the moment of birth. At the moment of conception is when that life has begun. They too have solidly stood in opposition of the taking of that human life by abortion. They have given voice throughout history to those who have no voice. So we should celebrate we should value we should protect every human being from the first moment of conception to the last breath of human life but then fourthly created by him as his child mark chapter 10 verses 13 through 16 one of my favorite passages as it speaks to the heart of our savior and as they brought young children to him that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for, as, for of such is the kingdom of God. And verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter, the, enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, and he put his hands upon them, and he blessed them. Notice what this says about Jesus' view of children, how he views them. Verse 13 says, And they brought young children to him that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. Children are and always have been important and precious to Jesus. He chose to use the child to illustrate the type of person who can enter into the kingdom of God. He said you must enter in like one of these, like one of these little children. In those verses, Parents are bringing children to Jesus with the intent that he might bless them. That this person who is recognized as being a holy person might bless their children. This is a reminder to us to lift up our children, to lift up our grandchildren to the Lord in prayer every day. And that's why we as a ministry here at Bridesworth Baptist Church value our children and our youth to such a great degree. We spend a lot of time, we spend a lot of resources on our kids Because they are precious in the sight of God. And we want to see them know Jesus at a very young age. We want to see them discipled at a very young age. We want to see them sold out for Jesus their entire life. And to be equipped to do something about it. Because that's how Jesus sees them. The disciples, however, did not approve of the people's actions. And they rebuked the people for bringing their children to Jesus. And we might say, well, why? Why on earth would any believer in the Lord Jesus Christ have behaved in that way? How could anyone try to hinder children from coming to Jesus? Well, maybe the disciples thought Jesus was just too busy or had too much on his, on his mind. And, and, and perhaps they thought that Jesus was, was too important to be bothered with such unimportant persons as children. Praise the Lord that, that he doesn't mind being bothered by unimportant persons because I'm pretty unimportant. And he loved me enough to go to the cross and die for me. And Jesus says, no, no, these little children are very important to me. These little children are are the reason I came. Remember, you're never insignificant in the eyes of God. He loves you with unbelievable love. And he loved these children as well. Verse 14 says, but when Jesus saw it, he was much Displeased. I think that's probably the nicest way of saying how Jesus felt about what they were doing. He was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. And so here we see Jesus' response to the disciples and to their actions here. He was indignant, which was a sign of his deep displeasure when he saw his disciples trying to prevent children from coming to him. His command to the disciples was twofold. Let them come to me and don't hinder them. Do not hinder them. Jesus wanted each child brought to him. Rather than viewing children as a nuisance, Christ accepted and valued those little ones. And today, Jesus wants little children to come to him as soon as they are capable of coming as well. It is always best to come to Christ, as as young as he calls you, to come. So you have as, as much of your life as possible to know him and love him and serve him. I praise the Lord when a person in their 50s or 60s or 70s or 80s or 90s comes to Jesus. I praise the Lord that, that he, he showed mercy to that individual. But all the more we should rejoice when a little child comes and he can use them for their entire life for his honor and glory. And that's how Jesus saw it. He was, he, he was so excited to see these little children. He is an amazing Father. And every one of our children should know him. Every one of our grandchildren should know him. And so never give up praying for them. Verse 15 says, Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. To enter the kingdom of God, a person must receive the kingdom like a little child. What does that mean? What do you think Jesus meant by, by that statement? What are the characteristics of a child? Well, children are helpless and they are dependent. A child is dependent on others to meet their needs. They can't just take care of themselves. A child does not become distracted, though, either by the complexities of life. So when he trusts, his faith is simple. It's an unwavering faith. Jesus was teaching that belonging to God's kingdom depends upon God's willingness to offer eternal life and a person's willingness to accept that life with a childlike faith in him. And so the kingdom of God must be received as a gift. It cannot be earned. It cannot be achieved by human efforts, as so many want to do. Well, look at me. I've always done these things, God. Surely I have a relationship with you because I've done this. And and maybe even going back to my daddy did this, or my granddaddy did this. No. Have you accepted the free gift of grace? It's a gift. It is not earned it is not inherited from family members it is a gift that we each and every one must receive verse 16 he says and he took them up in his arms and he put his hands upon them and he blessed them he took them up in his arms or told that shows his love it shows his his concern for them he, he put his hands upon them as their mothers the mothers desired and he did bless them but see how he outdid the desires of the parents they begged that that they that they might be touched by the Lord Jesus, but he did more. He took them up into his arms and he held them. Now, the scripture as is written here in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, is fulfilled here when it says, he shall gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom. That's what it's speaking of, is this embrace, this embrace that Jesus had for those little children. There was a time when Christ himself was taken up in old Simeon's arms. And now we see that he took up these children. Not complaining of the burden but being blessed by it. Pleased by it. That they might come. And if we can bring our children and our grandchildren to Christ. He will take them up. Not only in his arms. But also he will show grace to them. I praise the Lord for so many of you who bring your children. I praise the Lord for so many of you bring your grandchildren. Because you recognize when they are under the preaching of God's word, when they're under the teaching of God's word, it makes a difference. And they will come to know Jesus. As as their hearts are ready, that God will bless that effort on your part of bringing them to him. And he will embrace them. When he put his hands on them, he blessed them with spiritual blessings. The spiritual blessings that he came to give all of us. Our children are happy if they are Blessed in knowing Christ. That's the most important thing, and that's what I've said more than once. So many of us are chasing our own tails in the busyness of life, making sure that our kids get to every dance recital and soccer practice and basketball game and baseball tournament, but are we making sure the most important thing in their life is Jesus? Because all those other things are so temporal. But Jesus, that's eternal. That's the relationship that will stick with them, not for just this life, but for eternity. Through his actions here, Christ showed that he loved and valued children. He doesn't see them as a nuisance. All people, especially believers, should follow Christ's example and show care and concern for children, including the unborn. And so this morning, I want to close with a couple of questions for you. What practices that devalue human life does God want us to avoid at all costs today? Practices like abortion, mercy killings, pornography, human trafficking, slavery in many places still today. How does he want us to push against those things and shine a lot of the gospel into those dark places? And what can believers do about these issues? What can we do? What can we do here in Brinesburg, Kentucky to push against the darkness? Well, we can pray. We can make our views known to our government officials, to local and state and federal officials, to let them know we are not happy with the direction our country is going in. As we said this morning, we have the opportunity right now for you to go out after the service and grab one of those baby bottles and take that home and support the Hope Clinic right here in Benton. Because those crisis pregnancy centers are the boots on the ground, doing the hard work of giving hope to those who are... They could have an abortion if there's not hope given to them. And they give the hope of the gospel. Perhaps even pray about fostering or adopting a child and bringing that child into your home. That's a big way that we can push against the darkness and say, You know what? The hope of the gospel is here in my home. is going to be a place, a safe haven for children who need that place. I have precious memories of leading Daniel and, and Levi to Christ, of, of leading many of your kids and grandkids to Christ. Uh, nothing sweeter than, than being able to be, to, to be there when that child is brought into the kingdom of God. And it's been so exciting for me. And I know that it can be hard for many of you, for all of us really, to, to tell if children are truly understanding and ready uh, to receive Jesus. But remember, your job is to sow the seed and others can help with the harvest. Praise the Lord, that's what a church family is about. But if you will continually sow that seed, if you'll bring them to church, if you'll read the Bible with them at home, if you'll spend time in prayer with them at home, God will bless that investment. I praise God for godly parents and grandparents who, who took me to church and who, who read the Bible to me, and, and preachers who shared the gospel message with me, and, and for um, a youth event that I went to that the gospel hit me like a ton of bricks and I said, Jesus, I need you. I thank thank the Lord for those things. And so I pray that you will have that value for those those same things in your life and in your, your family's life to bring your children to Jesus. Value life. Share with your children and grandchildren how they can experience eternal life. And God will bless each and every one of us. We're created in the image and the likeness of God we all have value. We are all precious in his sight. Let's fight. Let's give a voice to those without one. Lord Heavenly Father, this morning, we thank you for the time that you've given us in your word. Lord, thank you for helping us to focus on life this morning in all of its different forms and from conception to natural death. Lord, you value us. And some of us look different, some of us speak differently, some of us have had different experiences in our backgrounds, but Lord, you value each and every one of us the same. And so Lord, help us to fight for the weakest among us. Help us to give a voice to those who cannot speak. And this morning, I thank you for these parents and I thank you for these grandparents and others who have just said, you know what, I'm going to, a, in a spiritual sense, adopt some of these kids in and I'm going to bring them to church who live around me. Thank you for folks who take concern for these children and bring them in because, Lord, you're going to speak to their hearts. And it may be that some of us even this morning need to come to know you as Savior and as Lord because you love us so much that you went to the cross to die in our place. Lord, you went to the cross that, that we might not have to pay the sin debt ourselves for an eternity in hell, but that we might know you. Lord, you, you went to that cross and you died and you're placed in the tomb and you arose on the third day. And you did that. We might have victory. And so, Lord, even one today who doesn't yet know you, I pray that they might come and they might say yes to you. Others of us need to come to this altar. And we need to pray. We need to continue to lift up the unborn. We need to continue to lift up and pray for opportunities to to stand and to speak out and to do our part. Lord, bless us as a church as we do to desire to be light in a dark culture. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to our broadcast today from Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church. If you need spiritual help with the relationship with the Lord, please call 270-527-3757. Also, we would like to invite you to attend our services. On Sunday morning, Sunday school begins at 10 a.m. and our worship service is at 11 a.m. On Sunday evening, discipleship training begins at 5 p.m. with our worship service at 6 p.m. You may also view our Sunday worship services live on Mediacom Inspiration Channel 93. On Wednesday night, our worship service begins at 7 p.m. Once again, thanks for listening and may God bless you and your family.